0: Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness podcast. Today, my guest, Dean Delisle, he is the founder and CEO of Forward Progress and Social Jack. For over 30 years, he's been helping organizations and professionals accelerate their influence with the use of digital and social marketing. Listen to him as he talks about social selling, entrepreneurship, and the future of social media in this episode. Well, cool, man. Hey, once again, thanks for being on the podcast today. I'm uh, really excited about the interview. And I figure we'd just start with, obviously, we know each other through the the space and seeing each other out there. But I figure we'll just start like, did you like grow up in the Chicago area? Like, give me a little background here.
1: Yeah. So I was born in Northwest Indiana in a farmhouse. And then all of a sudden, my dad uh, met my mom in England in the military. And then they decided when I was in first grade that, hey, let's move to Australia, which is where I got my accent. I get to a place where we go to Australia and we ship all of our stuff or we get to England because that's where my mom's parents are, ship this stuff to Australia. My dad gets really sick. And so we get stuck in England and we lose all of our possessions. So imagine that you're growing up, you got teddy bears and GI Joes and all this stuff. And you're like, you know, what are you, five in first grade or whatever? And then all of a sudden you're like lost all your stuff. So we had to start over in England, three years of school and I was a street kid, so we were living in the city, and we literally are running the streets of London, like Oliver Twist, right? So I'm just running with a pack of kids every day and very little supervision. Now, there was just no, not like today we have helicopter parents and stuff. There was none of that. Yeah, it was like, just, just go and come back. When come back you're alive.
0: Hungry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I experienced that and then uh, I was the kid with the funny accent over there. So I got bullied a little bit. So I had to deal with some of that and being a tough kid. And then when I came back, My dad, literally, my mom just decided she was too young, didn't want to be a mom, and that stuff happens, and so they split up. My dad comes back to the States with my sister and I, which means, you know, I'll have one other younger sister, Mm -hmm. and we start over at my grandparents' house in the south side of Chicago, and a kid with a funny accent, so I had to be tough and defend that funny accent. (laughs) So I became like this tough street kid, and then my dad remarries, fast forward a little bit, I... uh, wind up in Northwest Indiana, which is a suburb of Gary, Indiana, mm-hmm. which is in, It's right next to Chicago. So it's, again, just tough parts. And so uh, just grew up as a street kid trying to save myself and my friends from the street life, which means drugs and gangs and street fights. So it was a very tough growing up environment. But I learned, I was fortunate, and this is what I wrote my book on, that I literally just learned that that if you want to get out of a bad situation or you want to move forward, you want to connect yourself to better people. And so my dad was always hustling and, and at night he was going to school to be a school teacher because he was in industry and he was burned out on that. My new mom was a school teacher, so I was exposed to a lot of education. Mm. So a lot of education, a lot of teaching, and my dad was always selling stuff. So you know what network <laughs> marketing is, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my dad was one of the top guys or became one of the top guys in the country for Shackley, which has been around since the 70s, right? So in the 70s, he was selling Tons of Shackley in our garage and our bedrooms were filled with product boxes because you had to inventory stuff. Back yeah, there. yeah, yeah. There was no consignment, you know. So I learned how to sell. He was doing networking events in our house. And it was funny because all these shipments are coming in and out. And then my parents in this very poor neighbor, not very poor, but, you know, lower middle class neighborhood at Hammond literally had shipments coming in and out, but then they got new cars because they were selling so much.
0: Uh,
1: so my friends thought my parents were drug dealers because they and they sort of were. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> different kind of drugs. But, le- yeah, yeah, yeah. but legally, yeah. you know. But my dad was always about connecting, 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 connecting. So yeah, so then I'm about 13 years old, fast forward some more, and then uh, we'd go into this restaurant, it was a treat. Remember, you own some restaurants and so you get regulars in there, right? Yeah, for sure. So you know your regulars, man. You take care of those regulars and they bring people because they're regulars and the word travels. And so we were uh, regulars in this fine dine steakhouse and this guy that owned the restaurant, our booth, we had our booth on Saturday nights and our waitress and our dining room. And the owner would pass by and buy my parents a cocktail from time to time. And after a few years... I'm like 13 and all of a sudden I'm like hey I want to work here. My dad's like you're not old enough. You got to get a work permit. And he goes but just ask Mr. Freddie. Maybe he's got something you could do. So I go up to Mr. Freddie cuz he always had wads of cash. You know when you guys empty the registers yeah. and you go to the office and you put it in the safe and you're counting the dough. And I'm like a street kid going
0: that's the life if I for me. In this business, <laughs>
1: yeah, if I work in this business, I can legally have wads of cash. Yeah. is what I That's thinking. a win. So anyway, I go and, I, and I'm literally, I go up to Mr. Freddie and he's this big dude. He's like, yes, young man. And I'm like, uh, Mr. Freddie, can I work here? And he goes, well, how old are you? And I go, well, I'm almost 15. Now, I'm 13 and something at the time. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like uh, well, how long until you're 15? He go, I go, well, about a year and a half. He goes, you look pretty, You, you look old enough. He goes, come in on Saturday. We'll, we'll get you some work. So then all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's figuring out how to pay me. I become a busboy. And I meet all these business guys, and it's a business steakhouse where during the day and in the evening, and I loved working the bar because all the business guys came in there and they were networking, and I saw patterns of people connecting, and the who's who, and politicians, and all this stuff happening. And so, all of a sudden, you know, I just got to learn how to connect, and literally to the point, and you'll appreciate this. There was a guy in there that, that owned like a couple of companies and he was a limo guy and everything else. And he's literally always was connecting with people. And I'm like, Charlie, because I'm like, fast forward, I'm like 15, but no driver's license. I'm like 15 or 16. And I'm like, hey, what would it take for me to get a limo? Because I want to impress this girl. Jill for the church carnival. He goes, Well, come in on Sunday. You can wash some limos. And he goes, If you can scrape up between what I give you and the dough that you make, you can have a limo for like 65 bucks. And so I go for four hours on a Tuesday or Wednesday night or whatever it was. It was an off night for them. Yeah, for sure. So here I am. I got to be like middle school, whatever. And all of a sudden this limo pulls up and my dad's like, so think about all my friends, right? So they see my parents, let, let alone with packaging the and healers. a car. And mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden a limo mm-hmm. shows up to pick Nothing me up. Nothing weird about my dad's that. My like, what's going on? I go, Charlie help me get a limo for to take Jill on a date. So it was just one of these funny things where I just learned how to connect and I wanted side jobs and gigs and things like that. And eventually I meet the CEO of Merrill Lynch and I'm fascinated by computers and he becomes a regular in the dining room. And literally I talk to him and i'm hanging out and i'm helping him throw parties and back in the day shane before you <laughs> were a kid mm-hmm. in the 70s they had these big stereo rooms ginormous speakers real to real, you know and people would sit in stereo rooms and just jam out and so i'm sitting in a stereo room with the ceo of merrill lynch and i'm like mr bradley he's like yes dean it's about three in the morning use your imagination yeah yeah, yeah. merrill lynch Hello. three in the morning merrill lynch three in the morning All of a sudden, I look and I'm like, hey, what would it take for me to work at the Board of Trade on all those computers you guys are working on, about as innocent of an that you can make? He looks at me. I'm sort of nervous asking this question because I'm going to school for hotel restaurant management, no intent for computers. Yeah, for sure. And he looks at me and he goes, Dean, you can start in two weeks. I like you. I trust you. You're a hard worker. You're good, man. You can start in two weeks. So now I'm really scared. I'm going to college. I'm a sophomore in college by this point that I'm making the ask. I'm switching my entire career, my life. Next thing you know, I'm in Chicago. And so just learning the power of connecting the network, but more importantly, the power of asking, putting yourself Mm -hmm. in the game, in the equation, even if you're scared, just asking for things has always been a lifelong. Those are two big lifelong things that I've always built from.
0: And I think for me, the key takeaway is that the drugs that your family was bringing in, you were selling them through the bar. Is that kind of what, is that right? I mean, I, I'll i translate a little bit for everybody else out there. Like I get it. I, it's all about distribution. Yeah, if,
1: you consider food sup, if you consider food supplements, drugs. Sure. It can be. But, it can um, be. It can yeah, be. I'm addicted. I think they might've been doing that. Though. I think some of those Shackley vitamins <laughs> were going around that bar.
0: Hey, whatever works. No, it's interesting. It's first of all, I love the history. I love the background because obviously your dad was a hustler, right? I mean, he was out there doing this and yeah. doing that. And you see that, especially when it comes to MLMs, because that's really what it is, right? It's networking and doing this and getting people to buy this and do that and It really is the psychology of that. And so I think early on you were, you, you saw that, right. And also running the streets. So I it's funny. So when I talk to people, I love to hear people's backgrounds because that's, that also helps in how we have a conversation because I'm not going to say I was running the streets because my mom's going to not say that's true, but I was definitely out there doing some stuff where I, I learned a lot because of that, right? Like how to, business and how to work with people and how not to work with people and what to do, what not to do. Yeah. Some really valuable lessons.
1: Didn't you work in a bar and then wind up owning that bar? I
0: did. Yeah. So, I mean, there was, I, yeah. I, it's funny. So your background is similar in the sense that I started busing at a restaurant long. I mean, I was, I think I might've been 16 when I started. It was a, a chain of restaurants here in California and I worked there for a long time and went from busser to, you know, started waiting. And then all of a sudden I started, I was bartending and then I actually went to corporate and then they offered me a long time position, but I didn't really feel like that was the right spot for me. So I ended up traveling and going back to school and doing that, but I'm very similar backgrounds. And a lot of that stuff I learned through, I'm going to say being on the streets, I use that loosely. A lot of the stuff that I learned there of buying things and selling things and whatever that is, right? I mean, I used to buy cars. Like, I mean, it was one of the things I did growing up. I used to, I had cash and I would go buy cars at at a tow yard and then the tow yard would sell them to me cash. And then I would go flip the cars and, you know, sell it. Did you fix them up
1: too? So you knew how to do that? That's cool.
0: So I, I didn't do a lot of the fixing up. I had a, a buddy of mine that was, it was a wrench, right? So he, if I <laughs> went in there and did that, it would have, the car would have died and then it probably would have blown up or something. So I had a buddy of mine that had a, a garage that he was like, yeah, I'll come in and you know, I don't have any business on a Saturday morning. Yeah, I'll help you out. And for a few hundred bucks, I'll fix this up. And I wouldn't, I would go and flip them. I'd go put them on Craigslist or wherever. And this, I mean, this was a long time ago now, but I enjoyed that hustle. Like I was always, as a kid growing up, I always wanted uh, like the lemonade stand or I was always checking, like we would go into like 7-Elevens and I remember underneath, like they would have these counters and I would go and get on my knees and I would look under there, and there'd be like people would drop chains and they'd be like, Oh, screw it, it's a quarter. For me, I'd look down and I was like, Oh my God, there's like a dollar fifty under there. My mom's like, get out from under there. And I'm like, you know, breaking my <laughs> neck trying to grab this quarter. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like I always enjoyed that kind of like the hustle and the networking side of things. I think that you saw, I mean, that's awesome, right? I mean, my family wasn't in sales or anything. Like, my dad was a counselor, and he was also president of the teachers association, and my mom was a nurse, so I was like kind of a, a hippie hugging type kid, right? So I was like, Oh, let's hug it out. Out, but i was like well we can fight too if you want but i just prefer to hug it out cuz that's you know kind of yeah. the way i was but it's awesome and it's kind of a cool background for sure
1: well and you and i talked about this before i think if especially in today's world making uh, helping people feel and belong to you or your brand is i think i believe people that grew up and had a connection to hospitality Mm. also are very good at building like social communities because we're both in this digital space and I think there's an element there and we call it hosting whether it's a live event or you're hosting a discussion or more than facilitating which is too technical and blah blah for me but it's like if I'm in a meeting I'm hosting people and it doesn't even have to be my meeting but I'll walk into someone else's event or someone else's thing and I will help to host the room and I think that is a mindset and a mentality where you help people feel welcome. Mm. In any environment, it then begins to attract people to you, which is how your restaurant or your bar probably got famous, and our restaurant was famous because they felt that connection of people welcoming you—not just the hostess, but the whole staff.
0: It's that norm thing from Cheers, right? I mean, it really comes down to that. And I think it's funny that you say that because I always think, and I've always said this: I wish that everybody could work in the hospitality industry for a year or six months or something, because I think it does as an individual. Because when you deal with with hundreds of different types of people right and you learn how to work with those folks and you learn that some people are this way and some people are that way and some people are extremely rude but they're going to leave you a big tip some people are extremely rude they're never going to leave you a tip some people are from Europe and they don't tip at all like there's this right you have to you learn this whole process but I think that's invaluable and in, in the sense that also as you did I come from a, a community of serving right of like hey I want to give you the best service not necessarily always about the money but I just I enjoyed that I enjoyed people to have a good experience now of course I've got a nice tip or something like that hey that life's good Right, but also the networking side of it. And I think you, obviously, working at a high-end steak restaurant, right, is, doesn't get any better than that. Especially in the Chicago area, and you have all these, you know, these movers and shakers that are there. You get a chance to shake hands and kiss babies, and people see how you work. And naturally, that wouldn't have happened if you didn't have the ask. Right, if you didn't go in and say, "Hey, I'm kind of looking at this opportunity." And they say, "Well, hey, Dean, I've known you for six months, and you're always hustling. You're doing this, and you seem like a hard worker." Because that's that's one of the biggest problems with trying to find people today is like, who are the people that really want to work, right? If they've seen you yeah. work and they, I can train anybody to do something, but I need to know that you, you're going to really get your you know, hands dirty and really knock some stuff out. And I think you showed that. And so it was a no brainer not to mention it was 3am and you know, he's probably had a few drinks in him. So he's like, Hey, why not hire Dean? He seems like a good kid, right? I mean, it's all about timing I he too.
1: More than a few, I think he had more than a few drinks. Probably,
0: probably, but either way it worked, right? It's all about timing.
1: Yeah, it will work. Yeah. Right. Timing. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. So let's see. It's uh, connecting, making the ask, and timing. Yeah, yeah so and taking advantage. Three good lessons. Yeah, if in you're yeah, intoxicated,
0: right. that's a perfect time to, to take advantage of people, <laughs> from what I've heard.
1: <laughs> yes, right. Dude, you owned a bar. I know. You probably saw it so many times firsthand.
0: I can't. Actually, I think where the statute of limitations is over. Yes, we did take advantage of people that had been drinking. That was the whole point of it. And uh, if you had a problem drinking, then we welcomed you in the bar with open arms, because then you're going to be a returning customer. So.
1: And I'm going to give a shout out to a bar in Chicago called The Gage. So if you ever get to chicago i'm taking you there because it's uh, the food's good the people are good but there are people it's like a super high-end place but it's like a high-end version of cheers and there are certain people that i know that hang out in certain bar stools. Yeah. And it's just funny because I'm like, holy moly, this is like a, another cheers. You know, I said, I know that these guys are going to be here on these days and they're going to be here. And if I want to go have a meeting and connect to them and blah, 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 I can know where to find them. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Know? But that's, that's the thing is that if you build, and it, you know, we're talking about social selling, right, is the premise of this, but it really comes down to that networking and it comes down to making people feel comfortable. And it's the same thing with social selling. I think there's a lot of parallels, even though we're talking about a bar that's offline, but if you make people feel comfortable, the cheers, right, then there's going to to be a point where they're just going to come in and you're gonna have good conversation they're gonna be a constant customer and they're gonna bring other people in for meetings and do this and recommended I them and here we are talking on this podcast and you're recommending a bar that's in chicago and people are hearing this worldwide like that's huge right but it's because of that yeah. what you that, what they've built there
1: well i i probably read at least part of the definition a couple of times a week to people on social selling cuz they're like oh, they tilt their head and you know they're not sure and i just say you know you want to use social media to close more business oh okay yeah i can i can do that so but really the essence of it is is no different than how my dad was selling shackley or anything else it's the element of building relationship. Sure. Period. Secondly, with leveraging today's social media platforms and digital technology. That's the simple definition. And today it's LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and whatever you're using depending on your audience, but tomorrow it could be five other yeah, technologies. You know, we go over to Europe and overseas we're like in WeChat and all these other platforms. And so it's the vehicle where people gather, mm. whether it's your bar, whether it's Freddie's Steakhouse, whether it's the gauge, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook. We tell people when you log in, it's like going to an event or a restaurant.
0: Yeah. And that's we, you know, on our side, we always talk about it's like a I call it a social touch right? It gives you an opportunity to educate people about what you're doing, things you've got going on. And it also kind of keeps people in the loop. And it is that opportunity to build that, you know, and I think the, the problem is, I think a lot of people look at it like, oh, it's just putting something out there. And it's got to throw something on Facebook real quick. And it's a lot more than that, because you it takes time like anything, right? I mean, it's no, you know, talk about hey, if you want to go to the gym, and you want to have abs, like, that's not going to just you going twice, right? I can tell you that, because I've tried and I haven't gotten abs from that, right? So it's going to probably take 50 times. But it's the same thing with social selling. It's like You can't expect to like tell people, hey, go buy this and you're gonna have a thousand people go buy it. It's the idea of building that up and building those relationships. And then there's gonna be times where you start putting some stuff out there or you start recommending some stuff. People are gonna say, well, Shane doesn't sell a lot of stuff, but he's, you know, I like his content, like what he puts out there. We have a good relationship. And if he says, this is the TV to buy or this is the product to take on, then I should do that, right? Or at least take it seriously. But it takes time, right? And that that social selling is not an overnight type thing, but it, it all comes down to investment of time, right? If you put that time in, in anything in life, if you put time in, if I work out for six months straight and eat right, I'll probably have abs. But guess what? I'm a beer drinker, so I'm not going to have abs, and I'm okay with that. Like, screw the abs. Like, I'm married. Like, I don't need abs. Like, I'll get that's for the, my son has abs. Like He's doing it for me. We're good.
1: I have abs. I just have some tender covering. Yeah, like.
0: I have a lot. Yeah, I don't even know if I have abs underneath there, like anymore. I'm I'm not really sure about that. Like, I I started doing the whole other conversation Pilates just because I needed to make my core stronger, oh my and I don't know. I mean, I went from like literally like footy and rugby and really rough sports. To like now I'm doing Pilates. I mean, that's what happens when you get old, but I mean, it's just like, I'm just giving up. I'm like I just I'm like 60 year old ladies that are just like, you know,
1: downward dog.
0: Here that's it, man. That's it. That's a, that's a whole nother conversation. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah that's, that's a,
1: no stretching. On that's this a show. whole nother
0: podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a whole nother demographic, but are you still in Chicago right now? Is that where you're living now? Currently?
1: I live uh, right over the border in Northwest Indiana. So funny is um, I was in Chicago for 30 some odd years and I met my wife who was from Northwest Indiana. And I remember I went from all around, and then I wound up with Merrill Lynch moving to Chicago. Mm-hmm. After about 30 years, you know, I met my wife mid part of that journey. I had Jackson, who, you know, my son, and then all of a sudden he's five and we're thinking about private schools and what do we want to do and nannies and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, let's go where there's family and babysitters and I can pretty much work from anywhere. So we're actually in the same home. We moved to Chicago or to Northwest Indiana, but we kept our offices in Chicago. Mm. So we have like an office in the house and then we also have uh, studios like this in the house. So sometimes you'll see me with this type of background or you'll see me in the Chicago studio on my,
0: podcast. but it's right. I mean, it's right across a river. Is it across the river?
1: No, no it's, it's along the river. Ah. So if you were to just go south down the state line, it's literally 45 minute drive or an hour, depending on traffic.
0: Gotcha. So. Gotcha, gotcha. So nice and close. So did you know, going to college? I mean, cause you really, your college was growing up. I mean, I feel like you, grew, I mean, like the school of hard knocks. Yeah. That's, I mean, which is to me is, is, is a good school to go to, but I mean, did you actually attend college?
1: Yeah. So I did a couple years with Purdue and uh, I was going for hospitality. Then I switched. And when I was at Merrill Lynch, I was in operations, which they sent me to IBM school and it was a lot of technical schooling. So I left Purdue. I'm living downtown. I'm going to school and I'm literally in the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, if you've ever seen Mm -hmm. that. I was like Jonah Hill in the middle of that thing. So that's a whole (laughs) nother podcast. But anyway, so imagine trying to keep focused, learn a bunch of high tech stuff, computers I had never seen before, never didn't have a background for, but a lot of people didn't at that time either. Yeah, say who did? But so all you had to do was learn fast and learn fast and apply, but the programmers were making all the dough. So I'm like, I'll do some coding. So I tested at a really high logical skill rate, which was funny. I wasn't super good at math, but I was great at programming. And I thought that was like, impossible. Yeah. So anyway, I tested really well. And so then I went for a trade degree as a systems programmer, then a systems analyst, then a network engineer. So I did a lot of technical degrees and I was really good at that stuff. But the challenge was I was a people person. Yeah. So then I transferred to DePaul in Chicago a few years after that. And then I wound up leaving Merrill Lynch because You know, long story short, the CEO sort of got into some challenges and troubles, and anybody that was associated with him also had to leave at some point. So I was like, okay, trouble's going down. Uh, I'm going to leave, finish up some schooling, and then I'm going to start a company. So I started a company at the age of 23. Yeah, 23, office on Wacker Drive, no college degree. But I was going to school, but I never did finish that uh, degree. So it was, uh, like you said, school of hard knocks. And then I just had companies, just formed companies and just networked and build networks to generate contracts. And Which is funny because I've always been a teacher. As you know, I teach a lot of courses. You and I have taught taught back-to-back and workshops and things like that. And I love teaching. I love the reward of of people coming up and go, wow, that really helped me. That felt good. And I have graduate school programs that I've written and technically and taught and technically, you're not supposed to teach grad school unless you have a graduate school degree <laughs> legally. But it's all about who you know, which is my tagline. <laughs> so, so anything's possible if you know the right people. And so I'm, you know, shout out to the universities out there that have had me come in and teach or license my curriculum for the betterment of their schools. And I work with universities every day.
0: That's awesome. So, you know, it's funny about that. And, and this is this is uh, this was kind of my. I always thought this was unique, not just to me, but I, you know, at UCLA, like, so this is funny. So my UCLA story is that UCLA reached out to me about teaching and I was like, well, but I don't have my master's. And they're like, "Eh, it's okay. Like sometimes we allow that to happen, which I thought was awesome because you know, I was actually looking to go back and get my master's only because there was a local college here in Sacramento that was like, Hey, we'll hire you in a hot second. Like one of the teachers like followed my content and says, listen, we need somebody like you that, you know, we have some of these other instructors that just aren't hip to what's going on. They say that they are, but the, the kids are like, we know you're not on Snapchat. Like, don't, you don't need to right? So like, can you, would you be able to come in and be an instructor? I said, yeah. And they said, well, you got to get your master's. So I was weeks away from starting my master's program. And then UCLA reached out, which I thought it was like a friend playing a joke on me or something been like hey you don't want to teach at UCLA and I'm like yeah sounds good john we'll see you for beers tonight don't be an ass and ever text me like that again or email me and it was really UCLA and so that's how I you know, I got the job over there and I just told them I don't have the you know that degree and they're like no it's cool like we can grandfather people in and we're just looking for the right individuals and I thought that was great because I thought it was crazy that over here at the junior college they were like well you have to have your teacher's credential you have to get your MBA and I'm like yeah but you guys want somebody that has expertise and you have this other person teaching the course that doesn't know what they're doing right and it's very evident to that, but yet they have their degree to teach, right? So it's like this weird kind of like, yeah. I'm not saying I shouldn't learn how to teach because obviously that was a, a learning curve. But at the end of the day, it's like, I shouldn't, I don't need my master's to be able to do that, right? I shouldn't have to do that. If you're looking for a practitioner, somebody that's in the space and doing it. So right. I hope that there's more universities that look at that of more of like, this person has the experience because you need that real world experience. It's one thing to read a book. I can, anybody can jump in a book and I can oh, okay guys, we're going to talk about these three things and look in a book and I'll drool on the book. But it's another thing to say, let me show you how this applied to the real world. Let me show you about a campaign that I did. Or let me show you guys, because then it's real world. Then you're looking at this going, oh, wow, I have that profile. Or, oh, yeah, it's something I could do. Or this could be good for my business. Or this is interesting on this angle. It's It's just a different way of looking at things.
1: Yeah, and I really appreciate, you know, all the people that have their masters and a lot of our clients are, uh, you know, have doctoral degrees and and I just applaud them for all that work. It was just my circumstances, but here's the funny thing is the particular university that I started off with that I taught the first grad school program in was literally like Oh, hey, can you use your LinkedIn thing and help empower our students? Absolutely. I've been doing career workshops around LinkedIn, how to get hired, da da da. And it's really building the network making the ask, build the network, make the ask. I don't want to make my books sound simple, but, or my programs, but that's at the core, you know, and there's a bunch of science and social emotional intelligence and cool stuff under the hood. So they're like, Oh my gosh, you've got all this science in here and you've got all this cool stuff and you've got, you know, social emotional intelligence, you've got network science and all this, you know, technology and all this cool stuff. I think they just assumed I had the degree. Mm. So what happened was I helped them fill some events for recruiting for the grad school And they're like, oh, my gosh, you're just packing the room. We should have a course in this. I'm like, I'll help you do that. Now, mind you, at that point, I had never written a course in my life. You and I, I think, talked about that. It's like, yeah, you're going to need to do a rubric. And I go, what the heck
0: is a rubric? Yeah, we did talk about that.
1: (laughs) So I'm calling my buddy who's like super smart and writes college courses. I go, dude. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'll help you put one together. And I put one together, my first one, and the dean looks at it, and she goes, this is the best rubric I've ever seen. I go, probably because I put my whole self into it, not knowing what it was. <laughs> I thought I was going to get graded on my own rubric. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, and then I put together this detailed plan and it was like, probably to this day, one of the best courses I ever wrote. And so then I think they just assumed I had all this yeah. background. Yeah, and, yeah, degrees, yeah. and then when I'm going through the main office and the people that check all your background and stuff, they're like, Hey, we got a problem. <laughs> I go, I think that's a you problem.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound like my problem. (laughs) Sounds like I'm still doing good. Sounds like you guys should have checked into something. Sounds like
1: you guys, yeah, sounds like you have the wrong rules. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's exactly it. (laughs) That's exactly it.
1: But it's funny to your point, then all of a sudden they figured out a way. And I think that's where we're at in our world, and our life. I I always say that, you know, so many companies, businesses are living by these old rules and this old stuff. And you know this because you're around content and social media. It's like, oh, no, we can't have our people online. Someone might steal them. Or, you know, this fear, whole fear factor in all this corporate America and all these worlds. I'm like, no, man. I said your people are the most important thing. You should be bragging about who works there. Yeah, for sure. And there's not enough of that still. You know, as much as it's happening, there's still not enough.
0: Well, it is. And I do feel like, and this is common, there's just a lot of these old ways of thinking, and it's really difficult for people to change. And they're really nervous about that, right? Whether that be, I mean, we have that here as a stupid example of like craft beer laws in California. They're like, well, you can't do this in this certain area and you can, you can't do this. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that was because of laws in the 1930s. Like, why are we right? And it's the same thing with, with business. It's like, I understand you're worried about somebody taking somebody, but at the end of the day, there's headhunters everywhere. And if they need to find out who works for your company, they're going to do it anyways. It's not right. It's like, and if you're taking care of your employees, then they shouldn't be looking for, you know, making an extra $10,000 or having a ping pong table shouldn't be the reason they leave. So if you're taking care of your people, right. And doing good things, and you shouldn't have to worry about it and the person leaves that's the way it was supposed to be like you know it's that hoarding of information you know I started my blog eight years ago and when I started writing the content I remember marketers were like dude you're an idiot like why are you sharing all this information like you're telling mm-hmm. giving people the kings yeah. of the castle and I'm like yeah but who cares like at the end of the day if it's enough for them to go and be successful like that's my goal if I give them enough information they don't know how to do it they're like well we need to hire somebody great here I am but it's just a different way of doing things like it's you know now of because there's a lot of educational there's a lot of things you can learn about Online, and I think that's going to continuously evolve, and hopefully, more companies understand that's like, hey, like the employee advocacy side of things is important, you know, and, and there's some good stuff that can happen there if you know what you're doing, and if once you can put some parameters in place, but some good things can happen.
1: Yeah. And that's why we tie it all together. So you were talking about social selling. And so at the at the very core essence, we work in areas that are regulated. So you think of banking, finance, healthcare were really good because I came from Merrill Lynch and I understood that whole world. Yeah. And I was a rule breaker. I got in trouble. So then I got to no compliance on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> and so then it was even funnier as I became a bank auditor within an accounting firm. Imagine that. So I'm in <laughs> an accounting firm with no degree and I'm a bank auditor. So just because I knew computers and i knew how to hack so it was you know i so i knew that whole pathway but at the end of the day it's not about posting and posting the wrong stuff and all that it's about building relationships having conversations really having a good network and then really after you They know who you are and your credibility is elevated. Go have some conversations and get some easy meetings. And and it's really the essence of that, whether you're in a highly regulated industry or you're just selling whatever, it honestly doesn't matter. And so we just give you the step-by-steps and we call them power moves to build those relationships, activate the network, let people know that you exist, and then draw those people in. And and our favorite thing, this is my favorite thing, and you're going to love this. I was dying to talk to you about this. I go into like big companies. We love the small companies and the small tactics because this works for anybody. But we'll go in and we'll go give us your national accounts and give us the top 10 you can't move on. Give us the top 10 dead wood in the pipeline, you can't get in the door. And 100%, we get them in the door every time. (laughs)
0: And,
1: And all we're doing is network science, which was, if you want to Google it, was developed by the US Army. But we take tactical network science, and everyone's connected now. And you can see the connections. We literally map a network map of how to get into that company. And dude, I used to do this when I was in Chicago and I was, I was selling, you know, uh, when I had my own company or in between gigs, I literally would go and I would work like the security guard at the front desk. I'd bring them donuts and I'd bring them like a Sun pizzas for lunch and I would bring candy in and I'd be like, okay, so let's see on the 15th floor, this is, you know, This is, uh, you know, Sears or whoever it is. And I said, I want to know when these three people come in and out, you know, so I can ride the elevator with them or know when to be in their lobby. And I would just work the guys that way. And I was just doing the same thing. I was mapping out the building. I knew who was in there. And then I was working the security guards because they were the ultimate, you know, gatekeeper. And then I was just like, without social media, I was doing the same doggone thing.
0: Is that how you met your wife? Through stalking? I mean, is that like through, no. okay. I mean, that you actually, have to to technically, that?
1: no, no, yes. No, no, yes. Actually, I knew it. my best friend, my best friend was a lawyer. She was his legal secretary. And at that time, as a side hustle, I was helping all my friends, because computers and software were new, get off of whatever the hell they were using, like these, um, whatever they typed on before computers, uh, typewriters. Yeah, typewriters. And, no, but I'm saying there was other, there was something else yeah. they used too. But anyway, so uh, dictation machines, right? Mm. Those dictation machines. So anyway, I was the first one to put like, I think it was WordPerfect or something. Yeah. <laughs> and computers in their offices. And I would, you know, you know, take care of my bar tab for a week because we were out all week. It was a pretty expensive bar yeah. tab. They'd be like, all right, I'm going to do another install. And him, my bar tab picked up for the whole week. <laughs> so, nice. so one of my best friends, my wife worked for uh, him. And, um, she was working in there and I'm installing the computer and everything. And I think at the time she was, she's six years younger than me. So she's in the office and she's super young. And I'm like, really wasn't paying attention because she was super young at the time. And then she left, uh, went back to school and then she came back and she's 21. And I'm like, Hey, who's that? <laughs> and, so, and so he goes, Oh, that's Holly. She used to work here. And I was like, Oh, that's her.
0: Like, she's, <laughs> she's legal, legal
1: now. Remember, right? Exactly. And then next thing I know, we started meeting at bars, and we actually dated behind his back for six months. And he'd go, "Yeah, she's dating some scumbag. He keeps her out <laughs> all night. <laughs> she's late for work every day. You know, he like, doesn't buy her doesn't buy her dinner. Takes no her out flowers. drinking all night." Jesus. And he never put the two and two together that I wasn't with him on those nights because we were out like every night. I wasn't with him. I was with her. And so he never put it together. And it was like, finally, he figured out when we were all
0: scumbad best friend. That's awesome. It's all about your network. (laughs) It's all about your network. It's all about your network. That is too funny. So how did you guys, that's awesome, by the way. How did you, so you have your, you have the two different organizations, right? You have Ford Progress, you have Social Jack. Like, give us a little, like, give me a breakdown of each one. Like, so I can better understand.
1: Yeah, so Forward Progress is digital marketing. So just like you guys do content marketing, things like that. And thank you for all your mentorship and help. I heard you've uh, really helped change Monica's world at our office. So she is praising you like, Shane Barker, I said, will you just keep pushing his content out there? If he's helping you, help him back. You know? she, she's like,
0: <laughs> I felt so bad. I just sent an email yesterday in a video on some stuff. And it, once again, I got sick and there was some other stuff that happened. Tell her, Monica, if you're listening to this, tell her she can, anytime she needs information from me, she can keep sending me emails. I felt so bad because I didn't respond to her for a few days. And then,
1: no, I told her you were like in Istanbul or something. I, like, like I
0: know, but it's still, I hate the fact that I mean, you guys, if we've always shared information back and forth. And so when I didn't get back to her, like within a few days, I was like, ah, I dropped the ball on that. I'm like, I'm not going to drop the ball again. So.
1: Dude, we're all human, man. We're all human. But no, appreciate the permission of stalk. That's yeah, awesome. absolutely. So <laughs> I said, you can find them on social media. That's where you yeah. go. <laughs> That's how you find any of yeah. us. <laughs> so anyway, you know, so but we really focus on the employee advocacy piece. Mm. We call it humanizing the brand, right? So anything that humanizes the brand. So we really have these engagement boosters where we go in, we attach people to networks, we wake them up, and then we take really good content like you guys do. And we present thought leadership for the people and the brand, okay? So, you know, that's the content that we focus on. And then there's digital things that we do all around that. So that's traditional digital marketing, if you will. Social Jack is more committed to the education. It's an academy. It's online coaching. So uh, all the 120,000 plus people that we've trained on social selling, influencer development, and we're more on the B2B influencer side where we're helping business people become influencers and thought leaders mm. in their industry. So they, we have programs that they come in, they train and coach with us, and then they might say, can you help me look better? And then all of a sudden, we switch, you know, we bring in the forward progress team, and they give them a facelift, and we have 90-day sprints that we just can take them through the factory and boom, they pop up and they look really good.
0: Awesome. So, you know, obviously, I know I've, I've, I've read your book, but obviously not everybody listening to the podcast has. Tell us a little bit about your book, right? So, we have the, the Streets Guide to Digital Marketing Influence. Like, give us. You've already yeah. kind of talked about it a little bit on how the tie-ins of you know, running the streets and you know, taking over and running drugs and stuff through the streets and drinking all night, which is, I mean, that's just kind of par for course for the podcast. Tell us a little bit about the book.
1: Well, the book's called First, right? And it's The Street Guide to Digital Business Influence. So if you think about anybody in business, they either want to be, you know, first hired or the first considered to be hired, whether it's a job or whether it's sales, Mm -hmm. right? Or you own a business, doesn't matter. So it's always about being the first top of mind, the one people think of. It's like, oh, I want some really good uh, content strategy. Oh, I've got to call Shane Barker. I want influencers or I want my employees to be champions. I'm going to call Dean over at Social Jack, you know? So it's like, you want to be that person that people think of first. Mm -hmm. So I named it first and it talks about taking those lessons even from Freddie's Steakhouse and all the way through and the Shackley lessons and everything else, and really the, the steps that we use step-by-step step, to be first in your network, the first one that people think of, top of mind, the first one that people want to hire, and the first within your industry and the first online that they find. So we really give you all those tactical steps.
0: Awesome. All the stuff that you've learned from the School of Hard Knocks, right? That's right. it. That's it. All the way through. Yeah, yeah. So why don't we define, because you kind of talked about it earlier about defining social selling. So what is your definition of social selling for somebody that goes, okay, I've heard it. And obviously you've kind of defined it a little better through the conversation, but what exactly, what is the definition of social selling? Cause I think when people hear the definition, they're going to go, okay, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so it's really building trusted relationships, building trusted relationships and leveraging for the intent to close more sales, you know, to move faster through the pipeline with whatever tools, digital tools that you need, like social tools, like LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is, wherever that audience that you're selling to hangs out. So it doesn't matter what you're selling to who. And again, it's almost like if you were to target the bar where you know those guys hang out at or you're going to target an event because you know your ideal audience, it's filled with doctors or whoever you're selling to, you can go to that specific event. Social media is no different. And so if you understand the, the formula of building relationships and leveraging those relationships and I want to emphasize for us we always teach it with mutuality so like you and I in a short amount of time over the course of a year or whatever have had become friends and we share Mm -hmm. probably things we busted our butt to put together but it's like I have no problem going hey here's a contract I use yeah yeah, yeah. hey here's how we do it you know and so that's where you need to get to with people where there's this feeling like, oh, you know what? I trust that they're going to do the right thing with it. And they're not you know, going to like just put their name on it and screw me over or something. Yeah. You know? so, so it's about building trust and relationships with the intent to be on that buying journey together so that you're going to help them be better and look good within their organization, be better and look good within their job role. And then you're going to participate in that whole function. And for us, it's the challenge of overcoming the challenge of being the, last one in the pipeline we want you to be the first one in the pipeline Mm,
0: i love that so and it's funny because i am i'm a very much an open book about just anything i mean obviously through my blog and when people ask me questions and i think it's funny like you and i hit it off instantly and when we were sharing stuff back and forth i thought it was awesome how you were instantly just sharing stuff on knowing me but not knowing me right and just saying yeah absolutely here's a contract and this is how we do it and i thought, like, well that's really awesome because that's the way that I am right I'm very open it's like even if it's a competitor like I don't really care like to me there's enough business out there for everybody and so when I think you and I instantly kind of hit it off like we had been running the streets of Chicago together you know like 20 years ago or 30 years ago or something so I appreciate that because once again that has been yeah. it's been awesome just when you have those types of relationships because then you kind of put all the fear or worry or whatever you have and it's like hey let's just help each other out because at the end of the day, if I can help you learn something or you can help me learn something or send a contract that you spent money on that I don't have to go spend money on, whatever that is, it's just awesome when you have those kind of relationships because that's rare. I don't think that happens a lot of the times.
1: Right, and it's funny in our office we have this thing, and we say it probably once a week. So you should probably get a royalty check at some point. But it's like I go, well, what would Shane Barker do? And then Monica said, I think last week in her meeting, you know, if it's content related, she's like, well, what would Shane Barker I do? I Love you know? it. So we've got this. Love that. it. So just so you know, your your name is ringing through the halls. In Man, Chicago.
0: that is awesome. That's I, I now we have to come out. We're gonna have to come out and have a few beers now that I I, that's, I don't even know what yeah, to say well, about that.
1: Wait till it warms up. We'll get you to Wrigley Field. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Now you're just threatening me with a good time. So, okay. I'm going to take you up on that. I'll, I'll come on out there. What would Shane Barker yeah, do? That's all. Awesome. I might go by that domain name and just put a picture of me going, I don't know what I would do. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not really sure.
1: Ask Shane. Yeah. That would be like the simplest call to action. I in guess the world.
0: So I can't promise you that it's going to be the right answer, but there will be an answer. So just, you know, good luck with that.
1: Well, if you do that, I could be standing there pointing. <laughs> this is him. This is the guy. What would Shane <laughs> Barker do?
0: God, that feels like, what would Jesus do? It's just so close to that. I like, got scary to me. Like I'm like, whoo. But I,
1: well, you probably don't remember, but back in the day, it was like E. F. Hutton. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and then they'd be like, "Yeah, E. F. Hutton," and then everyone would stop. Yeah, and like what is he?
0: What is he going to say? Man, I tell you, I feel like I talk enough, but I don't know if anybody's listening, but that's good to know that your office is. I mean, that's that. My wife quit listening. I think my son might listen to the podcast. Still. I think my mom's downloaded it once. Uh, my aunt twice. Hi, mom. That's it. I mean, that's, that's my audience. Hi, Shane's mom. Yeah. That's it. We're, we're a very small group here. So it's just, you know, it's only a few, it's all few years and eyeballs. All yeah, yeah, for sure. So in regards to social selling, what, I mean, can you touch on some platforms? Are there any platforms? I know it's always depends on product and service, but like, are there any platforms that you've seen some great results with some of your clients? I guess, you know, I knew you do a lot of B2B stuff. So LinkedIn, I think would be a natural fit. Where have you seen some Yeah, wins? LinkedIn,
1: Twitter's good because people uh, listen in on Twitter. So you can usually know what they pay attention to, personal interests. You can see what they follow. It's super transparent. I like that. Instagram, you get the sort of the visual humanitarian part of people if they're on there, you know, not everybody's on there. Facebook, if they're open, I like that because you usually get to see the family interaction mm-hmm. at some level. So I like those again, depending. So we'll even have tactics where you start on Twitter, but then you go and look where people hanging out, where are they sharing stuff and how can you get to know them better and what common things. So we like all those I mentioned. And then there's advocacy platforms like Gaggle Amp, Elevate with uh, with LinkedIn that our good LinkedIn Navigator helps out. Unfortunately, it's restricted to LinkedIn. So any of those LinkedIn products sometimes are obviously a little more biased for tuning in there. So those we like, and then there's some good listening tools out there like Sprinkler and some of those where You can listen to your advocates and there's. we're just getting ready to release a top 40 list because I don't know if you know, but in the influencer space and social selling, what you're trying to get to is get to the person that's going to influence a buying decision in their company. So they're influencers in the business world, Mm -hmm. even within their walls, right? So you can use listening software to listen to those influencers. If you're trying to get into Boeing or Microsoft or a big company, you can actually listen. So I would suggest listening tools as well.
0: That's awesome, and you've actually like sprinkled in some other ones that you've that you kind of put out there. I think that would you know once again you help understand and what people are saying about the company and what people internally are saying.
1: Yeah, and there's different budgets and things, so you just got, have to sort of navigate around that. But we help people sort that out and figure out what's best to use, if you Which want. Which ones make sense. Yep. And don't forget about YouTube's a social network, and so is Amazon. So there's a lot of social networks out there that you can find people, you know, sort of being themselves, doing their thing, and know what they like and what they don't like. And sometimes that's part of building the relationship and learning those things earlier, ahead of time, can help you gain that traction.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I know you guys work with obviously a lot of bigger companies as well, but if you have any like tips for like smaller businesses that are going to start doing social selling that don't have huge budgets and are saying, hey, like what can I do to be able to participate in this to be able to drive sales?
1: Yeah, if you go to Social Jack, we have a lot of free classes. We're like Shane, we Mm -hmm. give away way too much. (laughs) My wife yells at me at least three times a week. So uh, we give away way too many classes, but we have very affordable classes for individuals Mm -hmm. or small business. If you go to I think it's salesjack.net. I think you can get our entire course for a hundred bucks. I mean, wow. so if you do that and you listen to those, just the fast track four modules, we take you through uh, LinkedIn and I always recommend Navigator, or at least the advanced version, if you're serious about sales, uh, social selling, but if you're going to buy it, there's no pixie dust here. You don't just buy the course, you know, for a hundred bucks and you don't just buy Navigator for 70 bucks a month or whatever it is at that special price and then magic things are going to happen you have to show up and have conversations build a network build your list and so you need to start going into that process so i think it's important for people to know not just to buy things but they need to do things with what they bought so that's it drives me nuts to see people buy stuff and go it's not working
0: that's mind blowing to me so you actually have to do work so your program you have to do work it's not like you just buy it and then sales are going to come in
1: Shane, you know how much time per day we require?
0: Probably an hour to
1: 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes, folks. Yeah. It's like eight minute abs or six minute abs or whatever they came out with, you know, right? So it's like we've had 20 minutes a day just so you know, we were the first 20 minutes a day, I think like nine years Mm. ago. And so I'm a time chunker, time blocker. So I do everything in time chunks. And
0: I think that's awesome to hear because really anything in life, if, if you want to be successful, it's going to take some effort, right? So I always, you know, when you look at as something, whether it's a three second app and you look at that and you're like, if you really think that's going to work in three seconds and you probably have to evaluate how much effort and time you're really going to put into something. 20 minutes a day is nothing, <laughs> right? But I think the, the value of it is, is like it, it gets you used to like, hey, instead of spending five hours on social media and then jumping out of the matrix and realizing you didn't do anything, it's having intent, right? If you, hey, I'm going to go spend 20 intent. minutes on this and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to knock it out and then I'm going to be off of it and on to the next thing. Because as entrepreneurs in a small business, you're president, secretary, treasury, everything, right? So how do you like divide that up? And 20 minutes a day is nothing.
1: Well, and there's even better than that. Some people, you know, are like, you should generate one referral or one appointment if you're on point every five minutes. Again, you're setting that intention to log in to come out with an appointment. Yeah. And so decades ago, we used to train people to go into events and go, I don't care if there's a thousand people, if there's 10 people, your intent is to come out with an appointment, with every five to 10 minutes of networking activity, physical networking. Well, with social media, you're so much more efficient because you can see who they are, what they do. You can see so much more about them where you don't have to have full on conversations yeah. to get to the
0: deal. Yeah. And that's, what's awesome. Cause you can, I mean, that's the thing is you can, the people are on social, there's networks everywhere. They talk about everything, their kids, this, that, their favorite football team, what they do on the weekends, this, I mean, you have so much information. I, we talk about that when we do the trainings for brands and stuff, when talking when work with influencers. And I'm like, spend a little more time to get to know the influencer, let them know that the reason why you're a good fit right? Just sending a blanket email to 10,000 people and praying that somebody responds. That's not the way to do it. Like there's a lot of information out there. people are disclosing way too much information on a daily basis that you can go and collect and you people go, wow, that's awesome that you knew that I just had a baby three months ago or that I just started my business three years ago or that I just hit 50,000 followers on Instagram. Like there's information out there and you should use (laughs) that, right? That's valuable. (laughs) That usually would take hours of conversation and you can literally go stalk somebody and make it seem like you're their best friend within minutes.
1: I have a PSA is why I'm laughing. So a public service announcement. So all of you that keep emailing me, telling me you're going to help me generate more sales on LinkedIn, I think I already know how. If I had a dollar. If I had a dollar.
0: I'm telling you. (laughs) Jinx. And every time, you know, every time I see that I like... I think what it is and what I really think happens with that I think there's somebody that has a LinkedIn course and everybody's bought it because it's the same thing like hey you want to get more leads online and we do B2B stuff and it's like man like you guys there's, is that working for you because I mean I've gotten this message a hundred times like there's if you were the first person to send it to me maybe I might have reacted but we get to a point where it's just mind numbing <laughs> I'm just like oh my god like instantly on their if I look on their I'm going to add them on my profile and if it says oh I'm a B2B lead generation person I'm like no No, you're not. Please leave me alone, Satan. Please leave me alone. (laughs) Not today.
1: I'm going to teach you something you've never heard. I was like, okay, you probably stole it off my slideshow. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) You can't be selling me my own stuff. I'm not going to give you $100 to buy my stuff back. Well, how do you see 2020? How do you see the landscape of social change? I mean, do you see anything? Is there anything that you've seen over the last year that you're like, wow, that's kind of crazy in 2020, it's going to be even more different? Or is it a lot of the same tactics?
1: Well, a lot of the same tactics. I think videos obviously always going to continue to get stronger, which we all talk about. But I think that networks are actually going to get smaller before they get bigger. So that's a prediction of mine that people are going to start wising up and it's like, oh my God, I have 10,000 connections, but I have no sales. Mm. I think it's going to get to the point where people are going to realize, and we've had people highly successful with like 100, 200 connections in the core accounts of their database, you know? And I think people are starting to wake up to the fact that if they have 10,000 connections, they're going to get 9,000 pieces of junk Yeah, because <laughs> they have 10,000 and connections. Did you hear what I said? Wake up. Yeah. So I also think with this whole movement of Instagram, uh, removing likes, I think it's going to generate a little more uh, authenticity. And I'm hoping for that. Not certain it's going to happen, but you know, I know people are highly reactive to it, but I think you need to earn the business. I think you need to earn the credibility and the right to have the business and build relationships with your network. So I think the platforms are forcing us to go that mm. way. And I like that feel. And so you're going to have to develop tactics to really generate those relationships.
0: Well, I think that's what's interesting is the problem is what it used to be is in, there's still issues with brands with this is it used to be the, the quantity, right? Oh, I have 10,000 followers. I have 30,000, I have 50,000, but we're seeing this with micro influencers is like, it's not always, I mean, if you have 3 million people, that's awesome. That doesn't mean you have 6 million eyeballs looking at this, right? If there's no connection there, then you're just following them because they're a bikini model or because they're this, it's like, it, there's no real that engagement, and I think we See that with brands that you know, brands are hopefully praying. The ones that go to my workshops are understanding, like, hey, quit going after just follower count. Like, that's not the number one thing because you can have tons of people, but if they're not engaged and they don't like your product or it's a wrong demographic, like, we're seeing the smaller ones. And I agree with you, I think it's going to pull back on that and, like, I've said this a thousand times, I would rather work with somebody that has a a hundred or a thousand engaged people than that have a hundred thousand not engaged. Right. And so in you and brands have to look at that. And I think that's a big issue with it's the numbers thing of like, Oh, it must be more successful because it has bigger numbers. They have bigger followerships. And that's not true. It's just not true.
1: Let the brands have those bigger numbers, but you know what? For the individuals and the people and those of us, especially business influencers, think about it. Most of ours are nano influencers or micro influencer that are highly successful. Some making millions of dollars a year in their bank account individually. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) As top producers, you know. Yeah, for sure.
0: And it's and I think it you know comes down to those connections and and like you're saying the networking that you have there. So I think that's awesome. So. Tell me, I know we're getting to the end of this thing, which is, I know this is the hard part because this is, this is where things get real emotional because we're not going to see each other for a little longer. But tell me about, what are three of your favorite online tools? Like, are there any tools that you're like, oh my God, I can't live without these tools? Like, with regards to your agency or maybe something you personally use?
1: I would say my computer, the internet mm-hmm. and Chrome.
0: There we go. <laughs> You're like I go over the big ones.
1: No, so yeah, so anyway, and just as uh, just so you know out there I'm a I'm a big time office user, so I use all the office tools, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just like, you know, I buy them anyway and use them, but I would say um I'm a big fan of Navigator, you know, LinkedIn sales Navigator as a, sales, as a social sales tool. I think, you know what I'm impressed with too, even though I'm a Microsoft guy and Windows guy, I, I do like how Google Cloud, Google Drive and mm. Google Docs and Google Sheets, I think they've done a good job. Another uh, couple of free things that might be good helpful tips is I'm a big fan of uh, HubSpot. I think they do an excellent job yeah. with CRM and and getting people out of the gate for free, even though you'll pay eventually. But I think if you're looking for that quick start, uh, CRM you know uh management of relationships it's a really good platform i like nimble is another crm platform i like for email my favorite pick is probably active campaign out of all the email tools out there i used them all i still use a, a couple at a time for different clients for different things but active campaign bang for the buck inbox delivery i think is is really good and then there's all kinds of support. There's all kinds of things like uh, sprinkler. We like Planable for uh, content collaboration with our clients. It's a really good uh, see-what-you-get type uh, content platform for social. Social Report has some good analytics at a discounted price compared to the rest of the ones on the street. You know what's another good? I'm a big project management guy, mm-hmm. is we use Airtable. Ah, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, so we used to be Smartsheet. And they were charging us per user and everything. And honestly, I haven't hit a limitation in Airtable, and we have 25, 30 people on it without paying a nickel. So.
0: You know what's funny? Airtable—that was one of the ones that I'd looked at. that I was like, God, I really feel like we should implement this. We never did move forward, but I might have to—I might have to pick your brain about that. But yeah, we also use Nimble. I'm a big fan of John. Actually, I just met John at yeah. the SEM Rush Global thing here in San Francisco, and he was out oh, there. yeah,
1: John's a long-term friend of mine. I was an old—I was one of the top gold mine researchers. Ah, yeah, yeah yeah, day.
0: yeah, yeah. He, man, i tell you, he's like—he's something else. I love that guy. We. I I mean he had the, what the brain tumor or something going on and then now he's yeah. like he's all about life and how you're i mean it was like i felt like i should have been taking notes when he was talking i was like let me take some notes i'm with john's talking i was like a prophet or something but a good guy nothing but a, a solid guy and i love you know nimble i started using it years ago because i knew some of their employees and we had good relationships I mean it was based on that and then once again it's awesome platform so all right oh, yeah. so we've got we're getting to the end of this thing so if you were going to have dinner with three people dead or alive who would they be and why
1: besides Shane Barker
0: yeah I mean that guy I mean obviously I mean what would Shane do I mean actually, I mean it's kind of like a statement go get that tattooed somewhere probably on my arm or something who knows
1: I've been a long-term fan a follower of Tony Robbins just because mm. I grew up with firewalks and I used to do coaching for him and some other I've uh, done a lot of his programs I think that would be a fascinating one I think dinner with Ben Franklin mm. I mean that guy was like a frickin everything was, I see him like me too you know like he was just like whatever it takes I'll do this this, I'll try this I'll make this happen and a third person I'd have dinner with my dad I miss my dad
0: ah there we go family yeah. family how long is, did your dad pass I'm assuming
1: uh, yeah about uh, I think it's about two three years ah, now gotcha. but uh, man yeah I, I'd, I'd give anything to have dinner with yeah him. family
0: man that's awesome that's awesome yeah. All right. So this is the last question. This is the one that really throws people for a loop. And thank goodness I sent you the questions ahead of time. So (laughs) this is going to be a lot easier for us today. But what about a lottery ticket? If I was to give you a $10 million lottery ticket, what would you do with the money? Curious.
1: Yeah. So I've had this on my board and I'm going to work hard in 2020, but Social Jack has a a whole digital citizenship program that we have taught, Jackson's taught to in schools and churches to help, to help, the young kids of today understand their responsibility mm-hmm. for being a good digital citizen. I would get that foundation and have it rocking throughout every school in the world. I mean, every country that can't afford it, every neighborhood that can't doesn't have a chance, uh, just to help those people know that if they can really make a few good, positive connections from where they're at, And if they can really know that they're put themselves in the game, all they have to do is ask for help. People are going to be around at some point that will give them that help. And if they can get that simple structure and just be responsible online, they can have whatever they want. So that's awesome. I would get that. For, yeah.
0: Give them back, man. I love that. I love that. See, it's so funny. I love people's answers because it, you know, when you give someone in theory, giving somebody $10 million, I love to hear how they would, you know, some people do certain other things They want to buy something, take their family somewhere. And for you, you're looking to do, I would say social jack. I almost feel like you should call a company social good. But anyways, I mean, that's, you know, it, it, it is what it is.
1: And honestly, and just so you and I know, because I'm always authentic, I didn't read your questions. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Good. (laughs) Because I always like how you and I talk and flow. And I'm like, I'll be able to talk and And answer whatever the heck. I did did glance over them, but I was like, you know what? I got this. I'm going to And now
0: that we're being authentic and and truly honest, I didn't write them. (laughs) Shout out to my team. (laughs) Okay. I mean, hey, they did the research. I know who you are. I mean, it's, you know, this is awesome. I feel feel better now. I was a little worried about you thinking that I wrote the question, but you didn't read them. So this is, this is... This was easy.
1: Well, I scanned them and that's my disease in this mm-hmm. world. I scan a lot of material yeah. so and I miss things, but, uh, but I like the spontaneity. Of yeah,
0: world. yeah, yeah. Well, we knew this was going to be a fun interview. This is, this, is, yeah. this is how we get down. All right, Dean, if anybody needs to get in contact with you, these people are going to be clamoring to know more about your companies and stuff like that. How can they get in contact with you?
1: Uh, go to deandelisle.com or just hit me up on social and pretty much on most any of the channels and I'll respond. So sounds like a plan,
0: brother, man. Hey man, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was an awesome interview as, as I expected.
1: Yep. Same here, man. And uh, I appreciate you and everything about you and keep doing all that good out there and helping. Folks.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, we'll be talking soon.
1: All right. Cool, thanks, man. Take, Take care. care.